BioVet combines the latest research with real-world experience to manufacture a wide range of high-quality microbial and nutritional supplements that support livestock health, productivity, and profits. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Welcome to the Microbials Matter podcast, where microbials matter. We welcome our host, Dr. William Zimmer, veterinarian and founder of BioVet. Dr. Zimmer has dedicated over 30 years to researching and developing products that support digestion and overall health in livestock. Welcome back, everybody. Microbials Matter with Dr. Zimmer. So last time, Dr. Zimmer, you know, we had the opportunity, we talked about that first 30 days because we've been talking about that 30-day mark for so long. And now today we're going to take that a step further. I mean, we kind of did initially in our in our podcast last time, we talked a little bit into that weaning phase, pre-weaning phase. Um, but today we're going to really go from 30 days to, well, really, you know, that that's kind of our first question here is 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 that timeline of when when is weaning? So in your experience, you know, to kind of dive right in here, in your experience, you know, some farmers have benchmarks they want to meet before they wean calves. What does that kind of look like to you? Is it is it a weight benchmark? Is it a grain consumption benchmark? Is it just a number of days? Tell us a little bit about when when we know or what a good time is to wean calves to start. Well, for weaning itself, best indicator, in my opinion, is grain consumption. And so we have to consider that that calf now has to be able to digest enough grain to replace the nutrients it was getting from milk. And so that's really why the grain becomes such a, a critical part of it because their rumen hasn't developed enough to really digest a lot of forages yet and yet we want to get them off of milk and on the dry feeds as quickly as possible so we're always running against that time frame Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that they're taking in enough dry feed in the form of grain to meet their nutrient requirements at that point in time and so some typical benchmarks you talked about that calf managers would usually look at and some of the the, uh, experts out there would recommend Number one would be from a birth weight standpoint to double that birth weight Mm -hmm. by the time they reach 60 days or thereabouts, um, which is also a a typical within that range of weaning if we're looking at an eight-week type range typically. But again, to me, it's grain intake. It's not age. There are a lot of younger calves that that are ready to wean because of their grain intake. There are a lot of older calves that are not ready to wean because Mm -hmm. of their grain intake. So they do vary a little bit. So grain is, is usually the best indicator in my opinion. And so when I'm looking at that from a weaning goal standpoint, rather than just weight, I will typically say that a calf should be taking in three pounds, a Holstein calf now, I should say. Right. Um, our poor jersey's probably right. not our quite that much. Our poor jersey's probably not that much. We're going to have to scale back for some of the smaller animals. But for a, a Holstein calf, I would really like to see that Holstein calf taking in three pounds of starter grain as a minimum. Now, a lot of the experts that are out there would say, oh, when they're taking in two to three pounds, two to three days in a, in a row, then they're good to go. They can maintain their body weight. Me, I'm not interested in maintaining body weight at this right, point in time. I want them babies. to continue to grow. And so a lot of times if we're only getting two pounds of grain intake, they'll kind of have a lag right after weaning and we'll see calves' weights plateau. Uh, that's also a time when they can get sick easier. So I like to make sure they're taking in at least three pounds. That way, we know they're going to continue to grow. Four pounds is a little bit better, and it's quite doable. And if you're going to go for higher weights of grain intake before weaning than that, you really want to make sure you're managing your calves tightly because the unfortunate thing with grain intake is we also predispose those calves to acidosis. So how we make those changes become critical. So that's kind of my guidelines for weaning. 
And then the other thing that we do have to look at with weaning is now we have a lot of people that are running these intensively fed milk programs. Mm-hmm. And they're really skyrocketing the amount of milk and the energy coming from the milk and the calves are growing on that very well. It's a great program to do. But they struggle a little bit with getting the grain intake so that when it comes time to wean that they can do that. So if we're feeding a typical type of a a milk ration, maybe weaning should occur over a one-week period. Mm -hmm. With some of these intensive milk feeding programs, we may want to extend that out further where we're backing down on the milk intake slowly, causing that calf to take in more starter grain. But we still have that three-pound grain intake kind of minimum as a target to get to. But sometimes it just takes us a little bit longer under those types of, of raising right. situations. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, those I'm all about growth in calves. The more groceries I get into that calf at that point in time, and I know it's expensive groceries for a it lot is. of guys. It is. They're like, hey, this is the most expensive part we want to cut back. This is not the time to cut back. This is going to be the foundation for your herd in the future. Mm-hmm. These animals have a critical nutrient requirement at that point in time that we need to meet to keep them growing and healthy. And if you want to see sick calves, they're the ones that are marginal on groceries all the time. It's If they're marginal on groceries, you do have more problems with things like pneumonia and a little bit lesser extent scours as well. Right. And I mean, I think it's important. To, I mean, this isn't part of our notes here today, but it's important to note that there are some minimums that your starter needs to have. Some yeah. things you need to be looking at the label for or, or working with your nutritionist to make sure that you have a minimum amount of crude protein and, and fat within that starter. I think sometimes... People think all starters are created equal. And, that's and they're not. not. They really do, the case. especially when calves are younger. If you consider milk, typically would be a 26% protein right. on a dry basis. I like a little bit higher protein content. So in that mm-hmm. 22, 24% for my starter grain, but we can go as low as 18% on a lot of them that are out there. And then if we're going to look at the next phase, which a lot of people would term grower rations, right. those may drop down to 16%. And that would be at that weaning time and, and shortly thereafter. But early on, especially in that first 30 days when they're coming up on starter grain intake, I want a higher protein content in those. And, you know, that leads right into my next question here. Obviously, we talked a little bit about starter here. How how can we, with the combination of starter and other products out there, I mean, we both know there's a lot of different things you can feed your babies. You know, how can we best or maybe uh, support either the milk they're getting or milk replacer they're getting to help assist in that in that growth of the calves like how can we nutritionally make sure that we're making sure they're getting enough energy and making sure that they're they're not falling short whether it's on the milk side the milk replacer side or the starter side right so the the good thing about milk is it, from a nutrition standpoint it's a powerhouse i mean it's, yeah, it it's a, a wonderful thing and not just for our animals obviously for our, our people for as well all sorts of <laughs> nature's perfect but food they say there are a couple of things that we may want to look at just to help supplement that a little bit and so mm-hmm. one obviously is microbials because we right. are developing a microbiome in these young calves another one would be vitamins so when we look at say whole milk, for example, it may be lacking a a little bit of the vitamin content that we want to get there. So to have some source of vitamins going in there is a good thing. Most milk replacers are, in my opinion, have adequate levels of of some of the vitamins like A, D, and E. But I've looked at a lot of milk replacer formulas, and to me, they're kind of marginal on the B vitamin portion. Sure. So that's one thing that we may want to look at supplementing in, even with milk replacers. 
And then finally, we because of our calves here in a lot of areas in the country, not all, but a lot of areas, we're selenium deficient. Mm-hmm. And we can get white muscle disease in young calves if we yep. don't make sure they have enough selenium. So we want to make sure that we have some selenium there, especially for whole milk, which we know is going to be deficient. Mm-hmm. And really, one of the things that I would highly recommend when it comes to selenium is that we're using an organic selenium source, like organic, you know, like a selenium yeast, for example, rather than inorganic like sodium selenite that is typically found in our, our dairy rations when they get older. Kind of hard on their stomachs? Why no, the why sodium the organic... selenite just doesn't have the bioavailability. Okay. And so the calves don't absorb enough of that selenium, whereas the selenium yeast is much more available. They can recognize it. They can get it into their mm-hmm. bodies and their systems can actually start to take advantage of that. And really, even uh, not that we want to talk about adult animals here, but I'm a, I'm a strong believer in organic selenium across all rations rather than sodium. Well, I mean, selenium. it kind of makes sense considering, you know, with calves, a lot of their microbiome is in that small intestine. And so, you know, you kind of have to play to that uh, microbiome area more than, than they can utilize their, their right. rumen. We do. Right. And, and again, especially when we're looking at the milk, now that's going to be lower digestive tract versus that rumen development, mm-hmm. but we're, we're trying to get the rumen development as well. So we're, we're taking these calves from a strict milk diet, which hopefully has, it has a lot of protein and a lot of fat in it and things like that and growth right. factors. But sometimes some of these vitamins, things like that, um, getting that microbiome established. And so we, we look at that part of it and we say, okay, what can we do? We're a lot of times pushing milk rations as much as we can. These are high-stress calves. We know diarrhea is a a big issue for some people. So anything we can do to keep that microbiome Mm -hmm. healthy, whether it's the microbial cultures itself, whether it's adding in other factors like oligosaccharides and fructooligosaccharides, which will help selectively balance some of those those microbiome organisms there. Um, Those are all good things to do from a nutritional standpoint because a calf, if its digestive tract is working properly, can get more nutrients out of that milk. Right. It's back to that analogy of the bigger army wins. We want the bigger army of the good good microbiomes, good bacteria working on our side and utilizing that energy. Right. You know, microbiome, right? We talk about it a lot. And really in calves, it's so vital. I mean, it's vital anyway, but it's so important, as we talked about last time in that first 30 days. But 30 days moving forward, what kind of happens to that biome in the calf in, you know, in regards to their guts and even their rumen as they start to develop with the starter, uh, what, what do you kind of see going on? What, what's the expectation of the microbiome in those areas? Well, two phases. So in the lower digestive tract, the, the intestines and so forth were, were that simple stomach animal type of approach because of the milk is going on. That microbiome is probably now fairly steady. It's used mm-hmm. to a milk diet. Those organisms have developed, so we're going to get a lot of bifidobacteria, lactic acid-producing bacteria that feed on milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have the flip side of that where we have the rumen just starting to develop. That population, that microbiome is basically at, at ground zero and just starting at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you typically think if a calf by about two weeks of age may start to nibble on a little bit of grain – that might end up in the rumen and then some of the right. water intake. We're just starting to get there. And so that's going to be a long process. It's going to probably mm-hmm. take another four or five months right. to yeah. develop that to become fully functional with, with the full microbiome that will then develop over the feedstuffs that it, that animal takes in for the rest of its life. So two different aspects here. And 
I, th I think the, the big thing that we have to remember is, yes, we can stabilize the lower intestinal tract with the milk mm -hmm. that's going in there. There will still be some changes with that, by the way, well, yeah, when at weaning some point comes we, around. Yeah, at some point we stop so, feeding milk. So Exactly. And so the analogy I would use there is for people, for example, we have a lot of bifidobacteria in our lower intestinal mm -hmm. microbiome all the time if we're milk drinkers. Right. which a lot of us are. As long as there's lactose problem uh, present, those bacteria, the bifidobacteria, are going to be the mainstay. If we look at animals, once we wean them, they don't take in milk anymore. Right. Those bifidobacteria populations will start to wane a little bit, and other types of lactic acid-producing bacteria will colonize that lower intestinal tract due to the dry, dry grains or the forages that we're feeding and so forth. So there's a little bit of change that's going to happen later on, mm -hmm. but most of it is set up already by that point in time for that, that calf in the lower gut. It's the rumen we really are starting to develop. And it really, from 30 days to especially toward, as we start a cre you know, creeping towards weaning, when these calves' grain intake is starting to go up, it's the one we really have to be sensitive to because right. when we start taking more grain and more grain and more grain, we can get an acidosis that goes on in that new, I know young, yeah. developing rumen. And that's the last thing we want to do is scar that organism right from the get-go. So we really have to pay attention to that, make our grain feeding changes, the amounts we're feeding every day slowly, say a quarter of a pound, the next day, they're eating the same amount, and maybe on the third day, we can go up another quarter pound. we got to make those changes very slowly so we don't overload that. And just recognize that when a calf is starting to eat three pounds of grain, or in some of these situations, four and five pounds, that having a microbial on board to help mitigate that acid production that's going to happen there is probably a good thing to do. There are a number right. of organisms that are out there that will help that animal cope with the acid that it's going to produce out of that rumen, because it really isn't developed enough to... to get all that acid out of the rumen and right. into the bloodstream and metabolized yet. I know that's the tricky part, right? You want to you want to get them on grain, you want to get them growing and yet there's this delicate balance to make sure we don't push them too far into the lane where they end up with acidosis. If it was easy everybody would do it. Uh, clearly, clearly. <laughs> I mean there's a reason a lot of people have, you know, calf managers just for this age because it's And it's it's a good thing to do. I mean, these animals are completely different than our milk cows. They need to be intensely managed and so that's a good place to have a very good manager yes. is taking care of calves. And I mean, just just one or two days can sometimes make a huge difference in just, you know, how quickly they can. Not one or two. I would put that at one. But just one, one day. One day 24 can make hours a huge make difference, a difference for a young calf. Yes. For sure. And I mean, that kind of, you know, that, that uh, calves, uh, you know, we're growing them. You know, when they're born, we're we're taking care of their their um, navels, and we're you know thinking about weaning them. And then a lot of times, when we're weaning, we're moving, and so you know that kind of welcomes um, an next question of you know what's the biggest threat to these calves? You know, because they seem like they're faced with a lot of them. But what do you see being you know as they get to weaning time, the biggest threat? Let's say we get them through the first thirty days. Let's say we we negate most of their scours and avoid acidosis as best we can. What's the biggest threat for them? I think the biggest threat, is, and it's not intuitive to us, the biggest threat is stacking our stressors all at the same time. Mm. So we're changing yep. diet. We're weaning the calf. A lot of times people want to do all their other things at the same time. We want to dehorn. Mm. We want to vaccinate. Right. It, we want to commingle them with other animals. Mm -hmm. um, and so these stressors, when we start multiplying them like that, they really become a, a Big trigger a for big disease and things on those animals. Yeah. So that's really one of the big things I would look at is, is if anything, try to spread out your stresses. 
as much as you can. It's also the reason to make sure that you have adequate grain intake because if an animal is going to go off feed a little bit, we want to make sure it Mm -hmm. has the energy there to mount that immune response if necessary or that stress response if necessary without throwing itself backwards. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, having them move out and changing their diet and giving them new roommates and vaccines all at the same time. That's just, that just sounds overwhelming, but. And it, for a lot of calves, it is. I mean, it really, it, it's a, an amazing amount of, of management that they're not used to, handling that they're not used to, procedures that they're not used to, friends that they're not used right. to yet. Yeah, there, well, there's always that <laughs> shuffling, hierarchy so, shuffling, because, you know. And, and a lot of guys have taken the steps now with mob feeders and things mm-hmm. like that to try to mitigate some of those stresses. They still end up with some issues when, when they're trying to still do a lot of the management things and the vaccine things that we do on young calves. And so that that becomes And that's critical. not even counting weather or anything else that might be happening. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to throw weather in there as well, <laughs> then I got to tell people, okay, let's maybe wait when the weather's a little nicer. Well, it's, it's kind of like waiting to cut the hay. Yeah, right. <laughs> some points you got to go. There's no good time, right? Some, t- some days you just so, have to do it. But yes, weather can have a big impact on it, especially spring and fall where we have yeah. the weather changes. I think summer for a lot of places is okay. In some places, they get the heat stress. Winter, they mm-hmm. obviously have a higher you know, caloric intake that they need to have just to keep themselves warm. Right. But we also don't have a lot of the other stresses that go on in wintertime. We don't have the flies bothering them, the things right. that we yeah. wouldn't even think yeah. about as a stressor. No, but, I, we, but are, we don't. You know? Yeah, but they definitely, it's very real. It's very real. So stress, I mean, it doesn't matter doesn't matter the species, stress is, is no good. Especially when you're stacking stress. That's the big thing. Well, I mean, good thing for us. We don't have those problems, right, doctors? Exactly. We can all handle one bad thing in a day, but when the whole day goes bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) – count me out. So, you know, BioVet does have some specialty items for calves. And calves, we we talked a little bit about calves at 30 days, but what kind of products do you have that can help kind of, again, support not only this nutritional effort, but maybe also, um, you know – if animals get stressed, or I should say maybe when they get stressed, to help kind of help them mount that immune response they're going to need from, let's say, maybe that 30-day mark to maybe maybe out to 90 days. Let's say we get them weaned. And, and even right. so, like we talked about, they're going to drop a little weight when you wean them. A lot of times there's a group housing scenario that comes into play. So what exists um, in the in the toolbox from, from BioVet that can help farmers Kind yeah, of the, this is actually that. my favorite part of the toolbox just because I, I like calves. I like to see growth on calves, and it's something that mm-hmm. we can see relatively quickly. So within our toolbox, as part of the milk diet, two of our products, you, it, they're interchangeable, so one or the other. It's not you feed both of them at the same time. But something like Jenner K or Generator WS, which are low-level nutrients, vitamins, selenium yeast, and then high doses of the organisms that we want to be there in high numbers – to make sure that we maintain that that lower gut in particular when we're changing milk volumes, mm-hmm. things like that. Especially when it comes time to weaning, we see a lot of guys, oh, well, we'll just cut back here because we're cutting back on the milk. You're changing populations when you start cutting back on milk. And those changes yeah. really require that we make sure we keep beneficial bacteria there. So sometimes towards weaning, I'll actually bump up the levels as going into the milk just a little mm-hmm. bit for, say, that one-week period. And then we have that rumen that's developing. Right. And so I really want to take critical care of that rumen and the microbiome that's there. And I'll reach for products like our Generator Elite or Generator D, which are going to have the same bacteria as the Gener K and Generator WS for the lower gut, 
but they're also going to have that propriana bacteria in there ah, that's going to help, can actually utilize some of the lactic acid that we know is going to be formed from grain, especially mm-hmm. in these young calves, and convert it into forms that the calf can tolerate better and actually lead more towards growth. You know, things like propionate, which are really critical along with the butyrate to actually get the rumen wall itself to develop. Those papillae that we want to yes. develop is, is primarily because of butyrate and somewhat propionate to get those cells to develop. And so we can actually turn a negative into a problem, you know, a negative type problem into something that's that's a positive for that calf by using those propionobacteria strains there. So those are the two major things I look at. And then as we get towards weaning, we sometimes have these issues where the calves are going to have these stressors stacked on them. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's a time to reach for a short-term product, like, say, a Genercap calf capsule that's going to boost their immune system by giving them all the vitamins that they do need there, some trace minerals, things like that, along with a good dose of bacteria, or even a microbial paste like Biostart or Ruminator even would, would be two paste products that we have. Just something short-term, maybe that day that we know we're going to I've got to stack vaccination and I've got to stack, you know, the vet's whether here, it's, so we got to do exactly, what we got to do. Whether it's castration or yep. dehorning or teat removal or whatever things have to be done, or I'm going to commingle these animals. So I know I've got a lot of stress that day. Maybe that's a time for a short term intervention with a microbial to help that microbiome through that period of time. So those would be the major products I would look at. And then after weaning, making sure that I keep generator elite or generator D in that dry grain. That rumen is not developed all the way yet. It's enough right. to keep the calf yep. going, but we, especially once I take them off of milk, they're, you know, usually we're grouping them at that point in time. Yes. I can put five calves in a group feeder and one of them is going to become dominant. Yeah. They, and they're they're going to take animal, in more. They are. Okay? Yep. They're going to take yep. in more and they're going to be more prone to this ruminal acidosis. So that's a good time to make sure that I keep that generator elite or generator D in there, those propionobacteria probably for at least the 30 days after weaning, which takes us out to about 90 days. That's perfect. So Yeah. It's like you said, we, we can't avoid the stress. There's going to be stress anytime you move them. There's going to, you know, we just can't, we can't individually raise them the rest of their lives. Unfortunately, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's always good to know that there's opportunities, even if it's just a chance to supplement for a short amount of time. It certainly uh, makes sense, right? So, you know, we've been touching on this part. We've talked about how as we get away from the milk, you know, their their makeup in the microbiome is going to change. You know, how how does diet affect the microbiome? You know, we've talked about a little bit here, but then maybe more so, how does that affect how we might manage calves as their biome changes? Mm. So the big thing that we always think about is, oh, if I put the bacteria there, they'll drive what goes on. That's not quite the way it works. The bacteria that are going to mm. create that microbiome are there in response to the diet. What are the nutrients that 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 bacteria has to feed on Mm -hmm. or that microbe has to feed on? And so the microbiome will change based on what the animal's taking in. We move away from milk and we move on to dry dry grains or forages. We see a huge swing of the bacterial populations that are going to eat that. Right. Because not all bacteria can eat forage. Not all bacteria can eat grain. Um, They have their own special little niches. And so we we need to understand that this change is going to occur in response to what we're feeding in the ration. And so we, we not only have that change in that diet, but that rumen development that's going on, that very specialized organ that we're trying to develop at that point in time. And so while the diet drives that, we need to be aware of what part of the diet. So for example, right. a little bit uh-huh. earlier, I mentioned that we want that rumen wall to develop. We want those rumen papillae, that shag mm-hmm. carpet look inside that an yes. adult animal has to develop. That is primarily from butyrate, 
and from propionate, volatile fatty acids that are formed from that fermentation going on inside the rumen. Mm-hmm. So acetate is one that builds milk fat when they're lactating. does not really go towards development of Growth. that rumen wall. Right. Whereas butyrate does, and in adult cows, we really don't want a lot of butyrate to escape that rumen because that gives us ketosis was, by definition. Right. So th- it's a little bit different in these young calves when they're taking in this grain and, and we're actually trying to develop mm-hmm. butyrate and propionate to get that development going on. So that's really part of what we need to think about when we're thinking about that diet changes. It's part of the natural progression of the digestive tract, and Mm -hmm. we want to play a part of that rather than inhibiting it or, you know, anything like that. So a couple of take-home things here that I don't even have in our notes as we're talking here today, but a lot of people always, the questions I get asked, well, what about dry hay? Dry hay for young calves. If it's not the major part of their diet, dry hay to have out there in a creep feed or something like that, fine. But dry hay, the volatile fatty acid that's going to result from that is primarily going to be acetate, which isn't going to to develop the rumen wall. So we we can't just say, oh, we're not going to feed grain, we're going to feed hay instead. We won't get that rumen development at nearly the pace that we want, and it's going to take a lot longer for the rumen to develop. Mm -hmm. So that's why we want to keep grain in place and slowly introduce the forages. Right. So yep. that we can we can then get the energy out of those. And really the digestibility of those kind of dictates that as well. Grain in general is more digestible than a lot oh, of forages. Yes, are. definitely. So that the natural progression fits based on the feed stuff as well. So how quickly, I mean, this isn't part of our questions here, but how quickly does the microbiome adjust to the diet change? It depends on the part of the microbiome, the digestive tract and which microbiome. So in the intestinal tract, that change can happen in a few days. Yeah typical with weaning. Mm -hmm. In the rumen, that change may be a week to 10 days to two or three weeks. So it's a a little bit longer, especially in these young calves where the populations aren't established yet. If I get an adult cow and I suddenly make a drastic rumen change, I guarantee you their microbiome is going to crash for about 24, 48 hours and slowly go. And it might take a week for that to redevelop to where it needs to go. And these young calves, it's longer because they just don't have the, the population sitting there in the right. background going, yeah. well, I'm, I'm fine until somebody feeds me kind of thing. And so it's a little bit longer period for these calves. I mean, the value of transition diets right there, I mean, kind of help. Well, and, and it's not just the microbiome we have to think about. It's the actual organ itself of the rumen. It, it, and nobody can see me, unfortunately. We're, no. we're you know, audio right. here today. But when a calf is born, that rumen is maybe the size of the human fist. Yeah, it's quite small, yeah. And when it's an adult cow, it might be 30, 40, 50 gallons. Much bigger. So we're going through this huge development in these calves where it goes from the size of a fist to maybe the size of a one-gallon you know, container or something like that in these young calves. That's mm-hmm. a lot of growth for that organ, not just the bacteria inside. And those things have to coincide together. Yeah, they, it's true. It's true. So... You know, understanding that we, what we've kind of talked about here, if nothing, if we do nothing else, as we move from 30 days to weaning to, let's say, post-weaning, what is, in your opinion, the most important things to consider as part of the management of this particular age group of calves? Well, I think probably the most important thing is to recognize ourselves that we're making changes faster than nature intended. Yeah, we are, yeah. Okay, we're trying to wean a calf in two months. Mm-hmm. Whereas if that calf was naturally sucking on you know, on a cow, it would be a six-month weaning period, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we're making changes a lot faster than nature intended. And with that, I think we need to understand that and then say, 
let's try to make those changes just as slowly as our management system will allow us. Right. Everybody wants to speed up. Everybody wants to get them off this, quote, expensive liquid milk, milk replacer type diet, which I think the debate can be made about whether that's truly expensive. It might be expensive per pound, but it's also the most digestible and you get the most gain out of it. Higher labor rate. The labor rate I get. People are always trying to address those things. Uh, You know, it's but I still need to look at what's right for the calf. Oh, yeah. So make the changes as slow as possible because we're already speeding that up. Basically, we're shortening the period down to one-third of what probably would be normal. Right. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand that as part of it. And then also recognize that anything that we can do when we're making this change this rapidly to support the microbiome is really beneficial to these animals. Mm-hmm. So, that again, supplementing in with a microbial supplement – watching what feedstuffs we're doing, all those kind of things are critical. Yeah, because it can't change on a dime. It cannot change on a dime. And again, we're developing this calf. We've we've made the decision that we're going to feed it milk for this short period of time. And rather than, you know, not having milk to put in the bulk tank, beef mm-hmm. guys don't run into this. If you're a cow-calf operator, right. yeah, you don't have a so lot much. of these not issues. So, so it's it's really something that we've made the decision economically to do so we do have to kind of look at that and say, all right, we need to make the best changes for these calves that we can so they, they develop. Because they are, again, the future of our herd. They are. They are. And even though they're little, these changes can make a big difference. So always my favorite part of our talks every time, the elevator pitch. Now, when are we going to get elevator music for I, this? You know, one of these days real soon, I'm, we're going we're gonna to add that part into to this part. Post-production, they call that. Well, we're, try, uh, we're trying to keep people in, in Enthused right. and excited, you're yes. not putting yes. to sleep with elevator meters. No, I get it. Yeah. Um, the elevator. What what's our what's our most important take home here, and then what's kind of so? The I, I know you like points. me to go up by the floor, so I, yes. I think I'll do that. So if we start at the first floor, if you're getting off on the first floor, my one take home message is make your changes slowly and be as mm-hmm. consistent as possible with what you're doing, feeds that type of thing. Make sure the solids in the milk are the same, the temperatures the same. All those types of things. Be as consistent as possible and make the changes slowly. If I'm going to the next step, the second floor, if you will, utilize microbials and nutritional supplements to help these young calves go Mm -hmm. through this transition. You know, their birth is obviously extremely stressful. Weaning is probably the second most stressful period of life that they're going to have until they calve. And they're still pretty, I mean, 60 days is not very old if we're talking in average. This is like our own kids kind of, if you think about it, when you're an adult, you can handle stress a lot better than when you're a little kid. And these are little kids yet. These are children, if you will. These these are babies, as you call them. So making those changes slowly, but helping to supplement them in with something. Microbials, Mm -hmm. to me, in young calves, I, I term them no-brainers. I don't see a downside to them. I, I, and, I, I and they, completely agree. they have agree. so much benefit potential that, that I would always you know, recommend that they go that route. Yes. So that would be the big thing. And, and then I guess the top floor for me, in addition to the use of the microbials, nutritional supplements, that type of thing, make sure that we're cognizant, understanding – what we're trying to accomplish in that gut. We want that rumen to develop. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's not just about changing feeds. We need the rumen to be functioning at a level high enough for that calf. So look back to our, our benchmarks that are there. Did this calf gain its body weight again? So did it double its body weight? That tells you where you're at. Am I making the change for weaning over a 7, 10-day period where I, I'm making my changes slowly? Getting to that point, making sure that I have that minimum grain intake. 
three pounds. Mm-hmm. I, I'll disagree with an expert at any point in time. If they're recommending two pounds and that's what you've been told for a Holstein calf, it's three. I don't want to maintain minimum, body weight. Yeah. I want to keep a calf growing. Yes. That's my goal. So and three pounds minimum. And when I say three pounds minimum, I mean, that's the minimum. It, it can be higher. If you're an intensively managing these calves and it gets to four or five pounds of grain intake before you wean, so be it. As long as you're managing it with a microbial, you can make that happen. That transition, the growth rate on these calves will be very nice. Just that that whole thing gets easier around weaning if we have those microbial supplements there and that right, microbiome yeah. addressed. I guess that would be my, my final take-home when I'm going to the top floors. To me, at this point in, in an animal's career, supplementing with microbials, it I've seen it take care of a lot of the weaning problems that guys have, the major mm-hmm. stresses that they deal with with calves. It just, their growth rates are phenomenal. I think it just helps you make those those metrics, those targets that we set up for the growth on these calves and then even exceeding them. Well, you heard it here, everybody. Microbials, microbials and calves, winning combination. You can't go wrong. You know, stay tuned as we talk more about herd management, microbials, and what makes sense for producers and farmers alike in this management system. To learn more about microbials, check out our other podcast episodes or read more at bio-vet.com.